welcome to this audio edition of Philip Pusher's program notes for upcoming concerts by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. I'm Rich Caparola. Concerts by the CSO on Thursday, May 4th through Tuesday, May 9th, feature guest conductor Giovanni Antonini and three vocal soloists, sopranos Amanda Forsythe and Yulia Fondoran and mezzo-soprano Sasha Cook, as well as the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. The All Vivaldi program includes Sinfonia from La Cena Festigiante, Magnificat, Kyrie, and Gloria in D. And here are program notes by guest annotator David Schrader, an American harpsichordist, organist, and forte pianist. Although Antonio Lucio Vivaldi was officially baptized on May 6, 1678, the midwife who assisted at his birth on March 4th performed an emergency lay baptism on that day because of an earthquake that shook Venice. The midwife's concern was most likely, however, because of an ailment that was already apparent. This condition, described later by the composer as a strezzezza di petto, or a stress on the chest, has been referred to as both a symptom of asthma or possibly angina pectoris. Whatever it was, it did not prevent Vivaldi from undertaking extensive travels in his maturity, yet it is said to have had a deep psychological effect on him throughout his life. He was tonsured in those days, a preparatory step to ordination to the priesthood in 1693, but not actually ordained until 1703. He had trained under the guidance of the fathers of San Giovanni in Oleo while continuing to live with his family. At the same time, he began, under the tutelage of his father, to hone his skills on the violin, for which he would become famous. He deputized for his father on occasion at the Basilica di San Marco and at some time or another cultivated his accomplishments as a continuo player on the harpsichord, something that was only mentioned much later in his life. Also in 1703, he obtained his first official post, becoming violin master at the Ospedale della Pieta, an institution for the proper upbringing of young ladies who were the natural children of members of the Venetian nobility. The standard of music-making at the Pietà had achieved a wide sphere of recognition and was a favorite destination for tourists who marveled at the high level of performance by the unseen, cloistered young ladies. In 1709, Vivaldi was voted out of the position by the Pietà's Board of Governors, and while possible animosity or misconduct were possible causes for his dismissal, it seems that economics played a formidable part in the board's decision. Perhaps he had been too adept at forming a virtuoso ensemble of girls, thus making himself redundant. During this time, Vivaldi was establishing a reputation for himself as a composer. His Opus I, a set of trio sonatas, and his Opus II, a set of solo violin sonatas, 1709, was dedicated to King Frederick IV of Denmark, thus indicating a spread of his fame abroad. Vivaldi's concertos were published in Amsterdam and other cities, and many found their way into the Ducal Library at Weimar, where a young Johann Sebastian Bach had just been appointed court organist and concertmaster. The influence of Vivaldi on Bach cannot be underestimated. Bach transcribed 19 of Vivaldi's concertos for solo harpsichord and five for solo organ, and the motoric rhythms and sense of Fortspinnung, a spinning out of musical materials, became apparent in Bach's own concertos, cantatas, and keyboard works after this point. 
Vivaldi was not the first composer to write instrumental concertos. The form had been treated magnificently by Arcangelo Corelli in his Concerti Grossi, but these works were not yet cast in the fast-slow-fast format that became standard later. Curiously, though, Corelli was the first Italian composer to write exclusively instrumental music. Vivaldi's highly original sense of harmony, listen carefully to hear when the changes of harmony do not jibe with the surface rhythm, makes his music very tricky for musicians to count accurately. Since Vivaldi is so well known for his many hundreds of concertos, it's a singular thing that these concerts include nothing specifically called a concerto. Nevertheless, the concept of a concerto as a struggle between different musical forces is found throughout Vivaldi's music, including his vocal works. Throughout both the Magnificat and the Gloria, the idea of the concerto is always present, and it would be helpful to explain what a concerto is at its basis. The word was used in the early Baroque era to indicate a struggle. The Latin word is concertare, between voices and instruments, gradually Throughout the 17th century, the word began to mean a struggle between groups of instruments against one another, and finally to mean a struggle between a solo instrument and an ensemble. Arias, for example, might consist of a vocalist, an obligato instrument, and the ensemble. And here are notes specifically on Sinfonia from La Cena Festigiante, a work lasting about six minutes. It's likely that Vivaldi composed the Sinfonia to La Senna Festigiante, the River Seine Rejoicing, for the musical entourage of Cardinal Pietro Ottoboni, who had diplomatic ties with France as part of his duties within the Vatican. The work includes three allegorical characters, the Golden Age, Virtue, and the River Seine itself. Italian composers of opera were more inclined to use a multi-movement formula rather than the overtures of the French. The fast-slow-fast format of many of these sinfonias would later contribute to the development of the classical era's symphony. And on to the Magnificat, a work lasting about 26 minutes. Found in the Gospel of St. Luke, the Magnificat is often known as the Song of Mary, sung at her visit to her cousin Elizabeth. In it, Mary utters profound mystical truths about the divine balance of the deity in its relationship to the human. It reflects the multi-movement cantata practice of many such works, especially the setting by Bach. Vivaldi's Magnificat is set in several distinct movements. The first section is composed of a succession of chords that is reflective again of the Stila Antico. At this point, however, the nature of concerto writing gives the listener a virtuosic setting of the words et exaltavit by the soprano soloist in an exuberant declamation of the words. The character changes radically in the following section. Vivaldi's penchant for unusual harmonic activity is present here. In the succeeding movements of the Magnificat, there is constant alternation between the stately moments of the Stile Antico and the more modern concerto-like principles. The church has long been a conservative institution, and the use of the contrapuntal style is always there to lend credibility to the more modern characteristics of Vivaldi's music. And now, on to Kyrie, a work lasting about nine minutes. 
Two of the three choral works heard at these performances were most likely written around 1715 for the forces of the Ospedale della Pieta in Venice. It's not unlikely that the setting of the Kyrie would have been composed at about the same time. After the Council of Trent, a Kyrie was obligatory, along with the ensuing Gloria. It's interesting to see that the choral parts are soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. Surely it would have been inappropriate to bring in men to cover the tenor and bass parts, but given that Venetian pitch was considered high in its own time, it's not unreasonable to believe that young ladies could also sing in the tenor and even bass ranges. Vivaldi's Curie begins with a series of solemn chords evoking the sound of the music of the late Renaissance. This material is strongly contrasting to that which follows, a section punctuated by arpeggios in the strings. The Criste is a quick and urgent movement, and the final Curie returns much as it began with a solemn series of harmonies that evoke the stile antico or the contrapuntal music associated with the Counter-Reformation. This setting of the Kyrie probably was connected to a lost Gloria in B-flat major. And now on to the Gloria in D major, a work lasting about 29 minutes. Both the Magnificat and the Gloria were written in 1716. The Gloria includes trumpets, as befits the principal hymn of praise at a Catholic Mass. The opening movement consists of a glorious motif in the strings, but with a basic homophonic texture in the voices. From this point on, the principles of the concerto become active, including an aria with a soprano set against an obligato oboe. The Baroque love of dramatic contrast is present throughout the work, and there was a final acknowledgment of the Stile Antico in the Gloria Patri. And a footnote. Vivaldi has been criticized for his employment of brilliant instrumental color over real content. This is belied by his use of very audacious harmonies on occasion, his use of frequent Lombardic rhythms, scotch snaps, and evocative effects. If one were to take a flight of fancy and imagine his liturgical music as a reflection of the architectural styles of the time found in churches, it is part and parcel of the desired effect. Drama, both in the church and in the theater, had pride of place. Some have said the liturgy is the longest-running show on earth, and Vivaldi's music for instruments and voices carried him to international fame. In the last century, his worth as a painter of musical pictures and bold musical material has placed him very high on the artistic continuum. Program notes on music by Vivaldi provided by guest annotator David Trader. I'm Rich Caparella. Thanks for listening. <laughs>